You are listening to the Uplevel Lounge Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Froelich, a business coach and strategist who helps female entrepreneurs uplevel their business with practical strategies, a rewired mindset, and the accountability to make it stick. With over 15 years of collective hands-on experience in corporate and the entrepreneurial space, I bring a unique and diverse perspective when it comes to helping women grow their businesses. My own business experienced massive growth when I started investing in my business and working with a coach. Now I am here to share those same strategies and insights with you right here week after week. If you are looking for clarity on your business direction and accountability on your goals, then you are in the right place. Let's jump into today's episode. All right. I am stoked because today we have the amazing Latrice joining us to talk about her entrepreneurial journey and pull back the curtains in terms of her business evolution, what has changed versus when she started, and then just also like embracing this whole next level identity. We're going to talk about ADHD and just neurodiversity in general and her awareness personally and how that has impacted her business design and the desire to work with people in different ways and educate them. And like, there's so many layers to it. And I have had the privilege of coaching with Latrice and just seeing her amazing genius and then her desire to figure out how to navigate this path with greater ease and also share her learnings with other people. And so it's just part of what makes her absolutely amazing. And she's that person who walks in the room and everything lights up. She's fierce. Like if I could describe you in one word, it would be that. You just posted behind the scenes of doing a photo shoot. And I'm like, she is a freaking model. And it's just just so fun to be in her presence. So Anyway, with that, I want to just turn it over to you and just tell us about yourself and what you do in your own words. And then we're going to go backwards in terms of like, how'd you get started in the space and where are you at now? Okay. About me. It's always hard. So (laughs) as you stated, I'm Latrice Prater. I am originally from Washington, D.C. I currently live on the outskirts of Austin, Texas. I am a mom of three and someone's wife. And I basically have an agency that works with other women in business, pretty much helping with uh, their operations. So anything systems and tech, that is what I call my zone of genius or my dopamine, should I say. So that's how I really got into the entrepreneurial world, not because I wanted an agency, so to speak, but when I realized as I was working as an executive assistant that I could do it from home, it was like, oh, Mm -hmm. I need to look into this. My background is varied. I've done so many different things in my past. So yeah, I have a master's degree in education. Originally, I wanted to be a teacher. And I was like, oh, no, I don't want to be confined to a classroom either. Changed my mind. (laughs) (laughs) But I do love kids and I love to teach. So it comes in handy sometimes, especially as a leader, you know, being able to educate my own team when I need to. But that's just a a little bit about me. And I'm neurodivergent, of course. I have ADHD. I have anxiety, depression, among other things. So I'm like a melting pot of craziness and chaos and beautiful, just beauty all over. It's all, it's beautiful. So much beauty. mess. (laughs) You're really like transparent about it and you're using it as a tool to zero in on your strengths. Right. And I think that that is so important and figure out, Hey, this isn't in my zone of genius. Who can I delegate this to? Or this isn't for me, or this person is not for me. And so 
all of that awareness is just making you a more confident, stronger, better leader, which I want that narrative to be out there more in the world. And I love that you wanted to be a teacher because I feel like that is such a, it's a hidden gem. Uh, There's, there's a lot of us out there, but it tends to get downplayed instead of like, Oh, I have a background in this. And I understand that everybody learns differently and approaches things differently. And so that just goes into, of course, all of what you're about at your core now. So you came in the online space. What did you start out doing? Executive assistant type stuff? Yeah. So come into the online space. Let me one, start by saying I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I always wanted to start a business. I have done several things. I probably started maybe more than 10 types of businesses. I am not going to lie. At the time, I did not know I was ADHD, though, because I would get mm-hmm. bored and then just be like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. So I thought, OK, well, maybe I'm just a, a multi-potentialite. You know, like I just have many passions and that's why it's like this. I've done life insurance. I was a life insurance agent. I'm still licensed. I became ordained just so I can officiate weddings. And I did that in um, San Diego. And it was so much fun. I really enjoyed it, actually. I'm a certified life coach. <laughs> like I learn more new things every time I talk to you. I It's amazing. I love it. I've done so many things. I've self-published. I've self-published a book. It's called Money Basics, the money workbook for the new budgeter. It's on Amazon. Girl. So like I I just I go after it because I refuse to like live in the the what ifs. Like what if I would have done it? You know, like I can't let fear hold me back. So I just do stuff and see what happens. But everything I've tried, I've made money. I've had an online boutique because I love I love fashion. So mm-hmm. I've had an online boutique. But when I got bored, it was just like, ugh, you know, whatever. Let's try something else. So my last job, I was working as an executive assistant and it was kind of like I did not know anything about the virtual assistant space. And I kind of ran into something online or it was Upwork or something like that. And I started to dig into it and I said, oh, so I can do what I'm doing, but I can do it from home. Mm -hmm. I was like, that doesn't sound like a bad idea because I was getting tired of working for people. In my opinion, it was always, I didn't like the manager and employee dynamic. So I wanted it to be, I wanted to always feel valued. And unfortunately, in many jobs that I've had, I never felt, I never felt valued. Like you can Mm -hmm. never pay me enough. You can't pay me for the value that I bring to the table. And you take me, a lot of times they take you for granted. They don't know how to talk to you. They don't know how to treat you. And a lot of times it's like a power trip or ego that is there that I just refuse to deal with. And my best friend always made the joke like, oh, you change jobs more than most people change their underwear. Because the moment I feel like you have disrespected me or you feel like because you can just get another person to replace me, you can kind of talk to me any kind of way. That was a moment I was like, oh, nope, this is for me. I think I'm going to leave now. (laughs) So that's kind of how it went. Yeah. I just started getting into the, like Facebook groups, start talking to people to learn more. And I just jumped here first. I love that you bring up getting into Facebook groups and talking to people because people always ask me, like, how did you get started? And in terms of really growing my own business, right? In Facebook groups, talking to people. And I still talk to people and that's how I grow my business. And it's just really, I think people who haven't tried it are like, that's that's not a real thing. It is. Like, it is. It is. It really is. So, okay. You start your own business and you start getting clients. When do you start to like go down the path of the agency? Oh gosh. 
that wasn't even something I was considering, to be honest. When I decided to even start the business, it was kind of like, okay, you know, I want to be a solopreneur. I didn't didn't want the responsibility of worrying about anybody else. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to have a boss. That's kind of how I looked at it. So working by myself just sounded ideal for me. But when I started, because I'm always a backup kind of girl, I was like, well, if I leave my job to do this full time, I got to have a backup because what if it doesn't pan out the way I want it Mm -hmm. to pan out? I still have to make money. And because of all the different past lives that I have, (laughs) I used to do home studies for child protective services. So if a child is removed, they have people come in to where the child could go. Like a family member is like, I'll take the child until everything's sorted with the parents. They'll call somebody like me to go interview that person, look at the home and basically just type a report to assess if the home is suitable. And they pay you to do it and they pay pretty decent money. So because I I did it in the past for about three years. I was like, you know what? Let me see if there are any contracts out there that I can get doing that because at least I could, you know, supplement my income. Got the contract, started doing the home studies even before I left my job, created a website and just started changing my social media to say that I was already doing this as like a virtual assistant, even though I hadn't. (laughs) But I wanted Uh to start presenting myself that way so I can start getting clients. Literally, I found my first client on Upwork I got in with an agency, two agencies within the same week. So I had three clients when I left my job. And by the end of that month, I had six. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) And it's because you put it out there, you put it out there and claimed it. And it's not like you were saying like, oh, I'm going to become a, you know, a custom home builder or something. You've never done that. You've done the work before. It just was in a different space, Mm -hmm. right? Like supporting people and, and operations and all the things. And so that's super fast to get booked out. Like what, what do you remember thinking when you really realized like, oh my gosh, I, this is really happening. I have all these clients. Like, was there a point at which you're like, I'm overwhelmed or did you feel ahead of the curve with figuring out how to navigate that? I was definitely shocked because of course, when I went into it, a lot of, a lot of what I would read would be people saying how long it took them to get clients, how little pay they had to start out making me. I am very much, I know my value. I know what I bring to the table. Um, And I've definitely had conversations where people would tell me, well, I only want to pay this much per hour. And I would tell them, I'll be 100% honest with you. I would love to work with you. I think this would be great, but I would not take any less than X amount per hour, period. My experience, my degree, you're not going to pay me what, 10 to $15 an hour. I'm sorry. I will walk away from that. But I was never, I never wanted to be an entrepreneur to like be rich. Like mm-hmm. I just wanted flexibility. That was my whole mind frame. I wanted flexibility. I wanted to provide value to people, yes, but I wanted flexibility with my schedule and dictate what I did throughout the day. So if I had to walk away from a dollar, I would walk away from a dollar. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think that this is so powerful that you're sharing this because I think a lot of people wish they could have those hard conversations. But I think because you led with that and you stayed true to your worth, like that is so many people have to like dig their way out of compromising. Right. And, mm-hmm. and just being so grateful to get the client and taking something that's so well below their worth. And then they have to climb back up and you're like, no, I'm staying up here and you can come with me and meet me here. Otherwise, like you, you lived in the abundance mindset. Like if this doesn't work out, there will be someone else and no shame on somebody who is going to take less just to get started. 
However, I think that if you can do what you did, (laughs) you're just like shortening the timeline to where you actually want to be. I I love that. And that is really powerful. Okay. From when you started and you like got these clients, is the type of work that you do for clients drastically different? And I'm talking about with, you know, within the agency and not, not going into your like consulting stuff and not going into the ADHD part, but like the operation stuff, is that type of work generally the same or has that changed a lot? That has definitely changed because Going into it, it was more so being a VA, doing all the admin stuff, managing calendars and scheduling meetings. And once I started to get into systems and I realized how much I enjoyed systems, it started to shift a lot. And then I also realized that I'm not a VA at Mm. all. (laughs) I am definitely more of a a strategic partner. That is pretty much who I am and how I function, how I think. So while I had clients that I would start out with just some of the basic things, once a relationship is built and they would start to listen to me and my feedback, and I would say, you know, maybe it will make more sense instead of doing this XYZ doing this, you know, I know you're about to launch this, but why would you not a lot this amount of time for your launch you want to make you know so it was almost like Mm -hmm. I still was kind of consulting in a way and not even realizing and that's when I told myself that okay maybe being called a virtual assistant isn't fitting for me anymore and I changed that for my team too I changed it to business support partners because that's what I believe we are we are partners with our clients in their business I believe in their vision just as much as they do. I believe that their success is my success. So I'm in it with them, right alongside them. So I remember in the beginning, I did have to switch my mindset because at first becoming a virtual assistant, I kept thinking, I still feel like people are going to think that I work for them and not with them. Mm -hmm. Because you think of the word assistant. And it took me a while to start to like, okay, no, I don't work for them. I work with them. And I made sure when I had conversations that that was laid out to, that they understood that was the mindset that I'm going in it with. So we need to be on the same accord, <laughs> that this is a with you, not for you. So my business did change a little and we kind of shifted from just being like general VAs more to, you know, the business operations, the tech and the systems and helping with workflows and automations and SOPs. So we've become a lot more strategic. And that is, it's so valuable. I mean, going back to that term of like knowing your worth, right? You already knew that you had that value. It's like, now you've been able to really articulate it. I mean, you just did in such a beautiful way there. Like, yeah, here's all this stuff that we actually do. Right. So then kind of having that realization that I like the strategy and this is my zone of genius here. And then realizing that like, that was something that you were also passionate about. What mindset challenges did you run into? Right. When you like, okay, so now I have a successful agency and we're doing this type of support. And I want to also be seen as a true strategic partner separate from that. Right. So talk a little bit, if you don't mind about that, like, and how, because I think Already people are listening to this podcast are like, this woman's a powerhouse. She can't possibly have had any mindset like challenges. But I mean, is there anything that comes up where you're like, yeah, I had to work through this and this is what it looked like? I think that 
everybody has mindset challenges. <laughs> you know, like we all go through, we all have our imposter syndrome moments. I think the difference is, I also have a very high level of self-awareness. I am no stranger to therapy. I talk to my psychiatrist twice a month, okay? Twice a month. And even she says how impressed she is with the amount of self-awareness that I have because I know me very well. I know my triggers. I know how I am. But nothing lasts. It's always a momentary a momentary thing. So I have moments when I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. Somebody's going to find out. <laughs> and then I'm just faking it till I make it, right? But then after simmering on it for a little while, it's almost like I go back to, okay, now we're done with the dramatics. You know, like, <laughs> you know what you're doing. You've been doing this for a while. And if you don't know, you have no problem with learning. Because mm. when I'm passionate about something, oh, I can go down a rabbit hole for days on end, for hours on end. And not when it's sleep. Something I, yes, mm-hmm. when it is something that I'm passionate about. So it's me remembering, like, I have to give myself grace. I tell everybody else, give yourself grace. So it's me remembering that I also have to give myself grace. And my extremely varied background plays into the fact that I just know a lot about a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I love that, that like you can go down a rabbit hole, right. Which makes you so valuable, right? Somebody doesn't know something. You're not hundred percent sure you're going to find it. How have you learned to navigate that, especially with your ADHD in terms of sustainability and getting like further away from burnout, right? How, like what tools do you use? So I think this would be really helpful to people who can really resonate with that. Like, yeah, I'll go down a rabbit hole and I'm down there for a long time. Like, how do you back yourself out or, or do you? I don't sometimes because sometimes I do have to follow what I say, follow the dopamine wherever it's taking me. Sometimes I just let it take me where it's taking me Mm -hmm. because every now and then it'll, benefit me in a, in a great way. One thing I will say, especially when it comes to ADHD, uh, the name in itself is very misleading, right? Attention, was it uh, attention deficit hyper disorder? Uh, yeah. But there is no attention deficit. Like there's no deficit of attention. It's literally interest-based nervous system. If I'm interested, I am a hundred percent in it if I'm interested, but when I'm wow. not interested, that's the problem. For me, what it has become is I have to understand what I'm interested in and that's what I focus focus on because the things that I'm not interested in, I will procrastinate and procrastinate. And so literally everything is on fire. But when everything is on fire, I'm in my comments because that's when my brain, for some reason, everything kicks into full gear and I'm moving <laughs> and I'm good. Mm-hmm. But because I do have a team, things that I know, like the admin things now are not fun for me. They're, yeah. I don't like them. So I make sure that I'm not the one doing them. If it's systems related, I don't mind. But admin, I'm quick to tell somebody on my team, like, hey, is this something you can handle? You don't want me to do it. (laughs) (laughs) You do not want me to do it because trust me, it will take me forever to do something that probably won't take that long simply because it's not something I'm interested in doing. (laughs) So it's utilizing my team. It's also understanding that I need to make sure I take breaks. I need more breaks than most people. It's understanding when I'm most productive and when I am most productive doing the things that are most difficult first. And my most productive for me is not necessarily like most people who like, oh, you need to wake up at 4 or 5 a.m. And I'm like, please stop telling me that. People like me don't go to sleep to 3, 4, 5 a.m. sometimes because 
that's the way I'm wired. Insomnia also is what I have. <laughs> so I'm not an early riser. I won't do a meeting before 10 a.m., period. <laughs> but I also have a lot of bursts of energy in the evening. And I get a lot of things done late night because my mind is active and mm-hmm. I'm more alert. Kids are quiet. No one's bothering me. So I work at the pace that works for me. And I refuse to believe or to follow any type of guru advice that tells me I need to do a a specific thing to be successful because everyone's different. And the way I operate is very different. So I just don't apply it. Yeah. (laughs) So really prioritizing what feels good to you and your lifestyle, right? And building a business around that. And if somebody's listening to this and they're like, ooh, I think that I may also be neurodivergent or they know that they have ADHD or ADD, like, but yet they haven't really, like, that's something that they've seen as a issue or a weakness instead of weaving it into becoming a strength in their business. Like what, how would you coach them on that? Like, how do you become more confident with knowing that you can build something that works for you, communicating that to the people like your clients and your team, like talk on that a little bit. To be honest, the number one, the number one thing any person with ADHD should do is should they should equip themselves with knowledge. Because let's be real, when I was diagnosed at 30 some odd years old, <laughs> I had no knowledge of ADHD. Like in my mind, ADHD was little hyperactive boys. Yeah. Fully grown women. And because I had no knowledge, ADHD became my hyper-focus. So I went down a rabbit hole. I have so many books. I've talked to so many people. So I was able to equip myself with the knowledge so that I could have enough self-awareness. So it got me into learning about executive functionings and what executive functions I struggle with personally the most, most with my ADHD. Many people don't know um, ADHD has three presentations. You have mostly... Um, was it hyperactive or impulsive? You have mainly inattentive and then you have combination. I am combination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what is considered probably um, the most severe case. So I definitely do take medication because I need it. But not even knowing that, it's kind of hard because you still don't really know enough about you and why you're doing this, why you are doing what you're doing. And also understanding too, especially if you're a diagnosis as an adult, nine times out of 10, there's probably another an, another issue that you suffer with. No one, re- no one really ever has just ADHD. There's usually something else. There's usually anxiety or depression. So there's always something else that you have alongside it. So mm-hmm. understanding where you are, it helps you to really kind of plan your life a little better. And me going into that deep dive of learning about what it is and how it affects my executive functions. Like I don't have a problem with organization. A lot of people say most ADHD women are messy and disorganized. I was in the military for four years. I'm actually extremely organized. I cannot thrive in anything in clutter and I cannot, but I have an issue with emotional regulation. That's my Mm -hmm. issue. Um, I have an issue with, you know, time blindness. That's big for me. So I know what it affects in me personally, so I can understand, okay, how do I need to navigate around my specific issues? There's so many people out here trying to just do what everybody else is telling they should do to be successful and they don't understand why it doesn't work because it doesn't work for you. It's not meant to work for you. And then you're beating yourself up, but you're not taking the time to get to know you. 
you are so even gosh, even compared to like six months ago <laughs> when I, you know, first met you, you know, so much like that. Is, like you were an encyclopedia on this stuff, <laughs> like a sponge of information and the way that you can articulate it and recall it is so impressive. So this makes me wonder, you know, when you were sharing about early on, kind of before coming into the online space, when people wouldn't value you, you were just like, nope, I'm out. I'm not doing this. It makes me go to the place of like core values, right? Mm -hmm. How has the awareness of your neurodiversity and impacted your awareness of your own, own core values, and then making sure that you are attracting people who also have similar core values? Because when you go back and think of some of those people that you were like, see ya, probably there's a big rub in terms of core values, right? Yeah, for sure. I've always been very strong on my core values. I always had a very high moral compass. So for me, finding out that I was neurodivergent, I mean, I already knew I had anxiety and depression and all the other stuff beforehand, but finding out about like the ADHD part of it also made a lot of sense when it came to, if I did not feel value, like what in that instance, whether, you know, it was money related or, you know, whatever the issue was, what about it made me not feel valued? So I always tell Mm -hmm. people when it comes to issues with clients, I always try to think of it in two ways. Is it a a mere miscommunication and we can like just talk through it and hash it out? Or is it a character flaw? And is this character flaw Mm -hmm. something that I cannot get past because it doesn't align with who I am? So that's how I look at it. And depending on what it is, if it's a character flaw that is totally against who I am as a person, then yes, this is not going to work. <laughs> because who I am as a person, I refuse to let anyone disrupt my mental health because I got enough issues as it is. So it's like, I won't let anyone disrupt my peace. If you if you don't understand the value that I bring, and it's almost like I have to continue to defend that, then I, is it worth it for me? So yeah. it, it's always weighing that. Totally. Man, so inspiring. Okay. So we talked a little bit about the agency, Mm -hmm. but I want to keep going back to like this, this other version of you that is so powerful, right? The ADHD success strategist. And how do you help people in that capacity? So let's lean into your consulting work and coaching work and whatever title we want to put around it. But if somebody's listening to this and they're like, oh my Lord, that's me. Like, how do I become more of a CEO that feels good running a business that works for me? Like, what does that look like? How do you support people beyond the the systems and the agency piece of stuff? Well, with the ADHD success strategy stuff, honestly, that is really just kind of how it's setting people up with the foundation. It's literally working with people who haven't taken the time or just, they just don't know even where to start. So coming to me, it's helping them do the right assessments for them to understand, okay, I have ADHD, but what presentation do I have? I have ADHD, but what executive functions do I struggle with the most? And then it's literally creating a plan around that because now you have the foundational pieces you need. You know a little bit more about you, why you operate the way you operate. So now you can take that information and literally create a day, you know, a work day that makes the most sense because 
that's the piece that most people are missing. I have people who literally inbox me. It's like, hey, I saw you type this about ADHD. And I was just like curious. I wanted to go get formally diagnosed, but I'm nervous because I feel like they're going to try to put me on medication. And I'll tell them my own story. And it's always like, oh, wow, I didn't know there were three presentations. I, I had no idea, mm. you know? <laughs> so it's like, well, you, how are you going to help yourself? If you don't yeah. even know where you fall on the spectrum of this. <laughs> yeah. I think you make this so much less scary, right? You're just like talking about it. Like this is just a thing. This is a part of who I am. This exactly. is not good or bad. This is understanding, educating myself so that I can create Yes. A business that supports my lifestyle in the best way possible. Absolutely. And without the knowledge, how the heck are you going to do that? So you're such a leader in that regard <laughs> in like so many regards. One question that I thought about um, at some point, but didn't ask. So we're kind of like going backwards a little bit. Okay. How do you think being a successful CEO entrepreneur is going to change what your kids as possible for their future, right? Is that something that you're like, even slowing down long enough to realize that you are literally changing like their lives by just doing what you're doing? Like, I want to talk about that because so many women that I work with, they are breaking generational trends, right? They're changing what's possible in terms of wealth in their future or showcasing to their kids a whole different path forward than they ever saw for themselves. And so myself included, right. But we all have like a little bit of a different story, but I would love to hear that because you're a mom of three and you're doing all of this. And so like, are you recognizing that? Like what a big, big piece of celebration that that deserves. Um, I have recognized it. I think I recognized it most when my oldest daughter told me that she wanted to be an entrepreneur. Uh, I mean, my youngest daughter definitely has moments of like, mom, can I start a business? You know, like mm -hmm. she tells me that now. And I'm always like, okay, if you're going to start a business, what is the business? Like you need to give me a proposal. Tell me what you want to do. <laughs> and I can tell that they love to say that their mom is an entrepreneur because like they tell other people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my mom owns her own business, you know? <laughs> so it's amazing for me. Yeah. It, it is great. It's great because I am probably the only one in my family right now who has like a success uh, running a successful business. I didn't come from like a line of people who went into business or anything of like anything like that. I didn't come from money, nothing. So for me to one, I, the way I lead is I, I lead with value. Because I feel like if you lead with value, money will come. I don't place all of the emphasis on money because that's not my end goal. My end goal is to provide value and leave an impact. At the end of the day, I've always wanted to be the person that when people work with me in any capacity, they can always say it's because of her that, you know, I was able to do this or because of her. Like I want to have that type of impact. And that's how I've always been. I feel like now a lot of people do put emphasis on make a goal you know you got to know how much money you want to make and that's great you should but for me that's not my focus I have I'm very aware of who I am and one thing about me is I know that I am consistent and being inconsistent and <laughs> most business people that's against everything they will teach you you know you have to be consistent but I've made great success being just who I am and that's what works for me so because money is not my motivator, 
because as a person with ADHD, you learn that things that motivate most people don't motivate us. Mm -hmm. Sadly, it's not necessarily consequences either. Yes, I could sit here all day and be like, oh, well, if I don't do this for a client, I could lose the client. But that still will not motivate me to do it if I don't feel like doing it. Yes. So my whole system is like my internal is set up. I'm wired completely different. So my approaches are very different. There almost has to be an emotional attachment to Mm -hmm. everything. So even with business, I have to find, I have to be emotionally invested because I'm not emotionally invested. It doesn't matter what the consequences are. (laughs) I mean, and that's such a value for your clients though, knowing (laughs) that, right? You're not just like, I'll take anybody. No, like you've got to have that buy-in. And when you have the buy-in, like you're in, like you're, you care. Yeah. And it's not that you don't care about other people. It's just that you have learned what works for you. Like you keep saying, and when you have that connection, boom, that's going to be the thing that's going to continue to ignite that dopamine and get that response of like, yeah, we're going to keep doing this. Right. (laughs) So that is huge, 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 huge. Well, I feel like we could have like a three hour podcast because there's (laughs) so many amazing parts to this. And I think we'll probably have to do like uh, another episode to just even see where, where you continue to evolve. Because like I said, the progression, even in terms of like embracing this new version of yourself, that's even more powerful than the first version of what I met you is like so inspiring to watch. And I think that there are just so many women and and men, but mostly women who are just going to be like, Oh my gosh, who is this woman? I need more of her in my life. So if somebody is interested in connecting with you, what is the best way to get in touch with you? Like, is it email? Is it social? Where do you like to be contacted? Definitely social. I mean, I'm on Facebook, uh, Latrice Prater, of course, and I'm on Instagram at the virtual pro. Yeah. You can always shoot me a message. I'll definitely respond. Uh, I, I will say when it comes to being neurodivergent. Honestly, when it comes to anything, when it comes to even anxiety, depression, I I feel like it's all about how you frame it because people have a tendency to look at everything in a negative light. However, Mm -hmm. there's always an advantage. There's just like there's cons. Hello, there's pros. And (laughs) when there are, even with those things, there are pros. People with ADHD, anxiety, depression, they tend to be more compassionate. They tend to be more empathetic. So don't always look at everything through the negative list, like lens, like, oh, something bad is happening to me. This is happening to me. And look at, okay, well, what can it do for me? Because one thing about ADHD is because I have the ability to hyper-focus, I can learn something really fast. Okay. And even though I maybe get behind, I always catch up and then I go ahead. So, (laughs) so it's like, you can't compare apple to oranges. So you can't, it's the same. Even in business, I can't compare myself to most business owners. I'm not most business owners. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's, it's really how you look at it. <laughs> totally. Those were some really powerful examples of like reframes, right? For mindset. Like, wow, well, what can this do for me? So that is amazing. I still can't believe you have a book. Anyway, we're going to add all of your, <laughs> your links into the show notes um, so that if you're listening and you're like, I absolutely want to connect with her. I want to follow her. I highly recommend that you do you can just click on the show notes and get to those links. But I just, I'm, I'm so grateful to know you and have you in my world. And thank you for taking time today to talk to uh, my audience and just share part of your story. Um, You're such an inspiration. So anytime. Thank you. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right, ladies, we will see you right here next week with another amazing episode of the Up Level Lounge podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. If you're looking to join a community of female entrepreneurs focused on the growth of their online business, be sure to check out the Up Level Lounge community on Facebook. As always, you can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at melissafrolick.com. See you here next week.